0: Most of you guys know that I come from the food industry and it has been something near and dear to my heart even after I left it. And one of the people I get to bond over the food industry about not owning a restaurant, but just (laughs) fangirling over the, the whole restaurant industry is my girl, Linda. So I get to talk to her today. We're gonna talk about some personal branding. We're gonna talk about branding in general, but we're gonna let it do what it do. So how about that? Let's do it.
1: Hey, Brand Babies. This is Grandma's podcast where we go in on personal branding without taking shit personally. Grandma's house is hosted by none other than the ghetto country grandmother. She's here to share her experience, expertise and education in a way that takes you from brand baby to brand leader. So come on in and hold on to your bourbon cuz Grandma's about to spill the tea.
0: Hey brand babies, welcome to the grandma's podcast and where I get to talk all the shit I want to and can't nobody say that. Well, they can say something, but it don't make me no never mind. <laughs> but today I get to talk shit with my girl, Linda. Y'all, she's been on here before. And the thing that you that guys don't know is that Linda and I, we talk like every other week. We're supposed to be holding each other accountable, but we shoot the shit all the time. And eventually we get to the work stuff. But one, like I said, one of the things that that we tend to gravitate towards is the food industry. And that's because while there's a lot of concepts out there, there's not a lot of branding. And people will look at it and say, oh, well, they're visually branded. But there is no strategy behind the brand. It, they can make a good ad. They can do great marketing. But that does not make it a brand in my perspective. And especially for independent restaurants, independent restaurants, try to hold on and grab everything that they can, extensive menus, specials, serving breakfast all day. Those are my favorite, by the way. (laughs) But we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about the founders of these food businesses and how they need to step up and tell their story and make sure that everyone in the restaurant is telling the story. So I'm introducing my girl, Linda y'all she's pivoting she's moving away from 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 some shit and she gonna tell y'all about that as well so linda come on tell us about (laughs) tell us about you come on
2: (laughs) oh my goodness so great to be back phyllis thank you so much um so hi everyone i'm linda lynn back for part two back to give more headaches (laughs) brand strategist in the food industry oh boy so yes i'm oh gosh where do i even begin so I've been, since our last conversation, I've been really digging da- like digging deep into the community. And I'm not talking about online, I'm talking about offline. And I know there's been so much hype about building your community online, building your community online, whatever, right? But the thing is, I realized that as things are opening up again, we're noticing that I'm feeling this disconnect from being in person, and I really miss that. And as you know, in the restaurant industry, we're all about face-to-face like this whole like digital experience thing like okay i guess i'm just gonna eat my food and record myself Is like uh, like i don't know like as y'all can see i try to angle myself a couple of times before us going on and my double chin still dropping <laughs> like, see me in person i look better i look better in
3: person like in real life
2: <laughs> but anyways i i've been pivoting and being more here in person and i feel like that's what I've been always missing in this business. And that's what I'm going back to is like, I want to be back in person. And I feel like so many of us are so out of touch, you know, especially like, Oh my God, more than ever, things are opening up again, but I don't really see restaurants the same. Like it used to be like, I don't know if you have this, this, um, same experience Phyllis, but you know, you'd see like on a beautiful Instagram or a beautiful social media presence and you're expecting something it's sort of building an excitement you go in person it's nothing like the experience it's nothing about that whole family vibe it's it's nothing about like that whole like community vibe and i feel like we've really lost touch how to speak to one another and it's heartbreaking right. um i'm seeing and it's interesting that you mentioned like i'm seeing this whole thing with concepts and there's this restaurant I've been eyeing for so long, finally went up to it. It's in New York. Um, they've recently been awarded the, I think it's like Michelin bib award. If you're familiar, it's, it's not a Michelin star. It's more like a baby version of the Michelin bib. It's called Michelin bib. It, you know what? I sound crazy. Go Google. <laughs> I sound crazy, don't I?
0: Freaking bib. Okay, I'm done.
2: (laughs) Oh, I just realized that it meant bib. Yes. Yes, that's (laughs) exciting.
0: Take out your bibs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're going to the crab shack. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. All right. So with with and I know you've worked with restaurants more than I have. I owned a restaurant you worked with restaurants, but your your family started with a restaurant too, right?
2: Yes, actually it's it's so interesting, like I'm finding more and more about like their history and things like that talking to them. So both of my parents' side um worked in restaurants. My grandmother actually opened her own restaurant and which is the reason why she speaks like, holy cow. she speaks like four different languages, wow. And the reason, and she told me the story, she said um, before the year of the, um, they call it Khmer Rouge, which is the year of the communism year. we back in the seventies, I think, I could be wrong. Um, she said, local travelers would be traveling around this road and she opened up her restaurant there. And she said, uh, folks were so hungry and nervous to wanna sit down and eat that she started to pick up their language. And so everyone knew, let's go to grandma's place. Well, I mean, I call her grandma out of respect, but, you know, everyone, everyone and their mom would be like, let's go to grandma's place. Every time Mm -hmm. they went on business, they would stop by. And then after business, they would bring their kids and she would pick up the dialect. So she spoke Vietnamese, Cambodian, which is what we are. Mm -hmm. Um, She also spoke Thai. She also spoke like. Lao. Like, wow! Like this woman, this woman was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> wow! And she only opened up during breakfast because that's usually when like the businessmen would be working, and and so when that time came, when communism came and hit, unfortunately, everything was forced closed and things like that. But that big part of her never left when she was sponsored into the states she came cooking for like the temples and things like that. Like, so for big parties and she just never, she never forgot about that. And she really brought that in back into the community here.
0: Yeah. And we don't see a lot of that. And being a black person, I hear about soul food all the time and I know our version of soul food, but like even just listening to that story, people have their own version of soul food. Cause I'm sure your grandmother cooked from a place that did not come off the shelf based on seasonings. And Growing up in a family where you cook by taste and trying to take that into a restaurant is hard because in the restaurant industry, you always have to know your measurements. You have to know like that pinch of salt costs you a half a penny and you're always trying to dial in your prices. And every person that's a restaurant consultant will tell you they always concentrate on back of house and cutting costs. So you have to know how much does it cost to make this thing? Well, when you grow up in a family where they say, you know what, no, that don't taste right. Put a little more of this in there. Okay. Now balance it out with this. That, that's soul food to me. (laughs) And what we see in restaurants and especially with the whole automation of it all, there's no soul in that. I don't know. I can support a friend who has an automated restaurant, but I don't think I could fully ever support the restaurant because I need to know somebody back there cares about my food, cares about the flavor, cares that, you know what, this is off because that one, like it's when my mama makes sweet potato pie, when she did make sweet potato pie, I miss my mama, but when she made sweet potato pie, and if the sweet potatoes weren't sweet enough, then she knew how to doctor it until it tastes right. But if we automate all this stuff, because it's on trend and is, is filling It's not taking away jobs. Let me put it that I don't believe it's taking away jobs because most people don't want these jobs anymore. So that's the shitty part of it. But even at that, there's no one back there that truly cares that, you know what, this should not go in that dish or this doesn't quite taste right. Yes, I measured it out all perfectly, but something is off. And you only know that if somebody is tasting your food. So it's, it's the thing, like what you said about family restaurants. And we see all the hype and we see your family and all that stuff. But then we come in and we don't feel like family. Hell, yeah. if you don't talk about it, let me feel it.
2: Mm-hmm. And and what breaks breaks my heart is like I it's not like I'm I just found out about them yesterday as a customer. This is me speaking from a customer point of view. I've been following them for a while. I hear about them. I'm excited for them. I just haven't had the time to go see them. And when I finally make the move to go see them, I'm not going by myself. I'm going with friends so I can share that experience with them because we're all very excited. But then when I'm showing up, it's kind of like, I got to order through this like little iPad and then wait for my food to be brought out to me. And then it's like, where is that sense of community? Or where is that sense of relationship? And, and it feels like I'm expendable. So if I'm expendable, then I guess... I guess i just got to move on and it sucks it really sucks because i'm seeing i'm seeing more and more concept restaurants over over actual restaurants that are actually have created a brand for itself
0: yeah and a lot of the the independent restaurants what they end up doing is like you say they have this long extensive menu because they they think they have to compete with everybody in their area yes Mm -hmm. mcdonald's is across the street yes jack-in-the-box is on the corner yes there's a taco stand right here and you feel like you have to compete with all those so you have all this shit on your menu instead of just getting it you know what why i opened this this was my favorite recipe and we're the only ones that know how to do it and we're the only ones that know how to make it and yes other people will go out and they'll try to bastardize it but sweetie you're the og mm-hmm. and then if you continue if you build on that brand of being that og Instead of just now, it's like, okay, everybody's competing with me. They stole my recipe. Now I got to do something else. Now I got to discount my price. No, it's the branding that keeps people coming back. It's like, yeah, I can get this close to home, but it's not going to be like that. In LA, there's a place called Chabalitas. Chabalitas has been around for years. That was one of the go-to spots after you left the club. And everybody and their mama know Chabalitas. But as times changed then they changed and the people that they hired didn't care about us late night folks and so the brand wore down now chabalitas is not what it used to be same with pinkies i don't know why in the fresh buck anybody lines up for pinkies not hating on them or shade but it's not that great it's 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 nothing there except the hype of a long line all these kind of hot dogs yes you can get it you can get a, a hot dog you probably won't get anywhere else but it's the hype The the, what is it? Roscoe's chicken and waffles. I actually used to work at a Roscoe's for a friend. I was a hostess at one of them, but I used to go to the one on Maine in Manchester. And I would go to the one on Pico. And the reason I would go to the one on Pico is because that's where mama worked. There was a lady there that she was the whole experience of Roscoe's to me. And mama was, she was one of those like, baby, get your elbows off that table. You know, your mama didn't teach you. And she was that mom. She Mm -hmm. was the waitress, but I promise you, if you go and ask anybody that used to go to Roscoe's when she worked, everybody knew mama. We don't Mm -hmm. even know that woman's real name, but that was mama to everybody because that's what she came off as. And so everybody went to Pico and everybody went to, if you went to um, Roscoe's on, on Manchester and Maine, sweetie, you went because Stevie was cooking.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Phyllis. Oh my goodness. You know what this reminds me of? There was, a, there was a new restaurant that opened up. It's been about a year. And when they opened up, I got so excited. It was the first ever Guatemalan breakfast spot. You really? hear the American breakfast spot, but you never hear of Guatemalan breakfast spot. And I'm going to speak highly of this because you know what? Shout out to all my people who've been feeding me well. I know I love it. I love it. All my friends who introduced me to their culture and their food, I appreciate it. Guatemalan breakfast is delicious. It's um, refried beans, beans, with tortillas, you know, and then they have the fresh cheese that's made. All of this is made in-house. So when I heard of a breakfast spot opening, I was like, oh, my fat ass is there. What time you open? Seven? Say less. I'm I'm there. I'm there. And the thing is like, like openly brand new restaurant. I was so excited. And the thing is the, the one reason that kept me coming back was because of the woman there. She was a waitress. Loved her so much loved her so much I there were days where I'm like oh I'm tired of this damn breakfast I'm not gonna lie I I kind of sometimes when I overeat at a restaurant I'm like damn I'm kind of tired but wait my girl's over there because now I'm starting to recognize that there's an employee there that I like and that's what so many of the customers also were coming back for they were coming back for her yeah she was holding down that business and so one day I didn't see her there and I was like wait like, I, I memorized her so well that I even memorized her car. That's that's how I knew. I, saw like, I ain't going in if her are car not in the parking <laughs> exactly, lot. <laughs> exactly. I, I've been, like, driving by. And I'm, like, side-eyeing. Okay, okay. like, you know, in, like, a hit, like, hit a run. But, like, I'm over here side-eyeing, driving by. And I'm, like, is a drive-by. And I'm, like, yo, where's, where's this girl at? And she just disappeared. And then I was, like, that's weird. So then I go in and I order my breakfast. Not the same. It's yeah. just another restaurant to me. Yeah. And I know some folks are would get confused and they're like, oh, we have the best customer service. Customer service is baseline. Yeah. I'm sorry, but so many of y'all need to hear this. It's baseline. That's what's already expected. You gotta go up another level. Like this, this woman here, she was amazing. Like she she knew my order before I knew my order. And I'm yes. like indecisive.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> and yeah. And the thing is, it's like she brought in that that level of like warmth and hospitality that I used to get when I would go and eat at my friends places and their houses when they're because their moms are Guatemalan and so some of y'all may not know this but hands down in my opinion personally speaking Guatemalans make the best beans if y'all don't believe me I would not
3: know I don't eat beans
2: (laughs) I eat so much beans that I smell like beans when I sweat so it's bad Maybe I'm so, starting to smell like tortillas now, but it's okay. It's okay. But yo, I like I don't know what they put in there or whatever it is, but damn, this so fucking good. Yeah. And the thing is like with Guatemalans, oh my gosh, there's a liveliness, a richness to that culture and, and experience. I mean, even the way like you share food, it's just mm-hmm. there's a sense of community there. And this woman like one man team was holding it down for the restaurant. Yeah. And so when you when you spoke about that, you know, you're coming here for the chef. I think back to her and unfortunately they let her go on their part. That's that's on their part and I I've been kind of searching for her ever since and I ran into her by accident one day while was shopping and she's like, "Oh, another breakfast spot saw me and picked me up and they're doing amazing." Wow. She's I I miss her a lot. And she's like, I'm not going to lie. I miss the old restaurant. You know, they were more creative about mm-hmm. what they did, but you know, I think I'm happier here. And I'm like, I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. And it's really heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. And part of like with everybody, every, everybody and their mama um, wanting to do personal branding and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a missed opportunity on the the part of founders of restaurants or owners of restaurants, because if it's just based on you making money, then I'm not necessarily talking to those people. But if there's a history behind it, like one of the people that that's here, I'm in Texas now, one of my husband's friends, he owns a place called Ophelia's. And I wanted to help him with the brand of this so bad, because I think his food is pretty good and all of this kind of stuff. But it's more the story and the history behind why he opened Ophelia's. And I think he can make it, and plus it's in a historic building. So there's so many layers there to be able to brand that and not just serve food. But how can I put it? But the 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 wherewithal of people to understand branding and marketing from that level, they just want to do food. It, even with us, when, when we started our restaurant, it was just about finding a way for my husband to build his passion of wanting to cook. And when it turned into work, Neil wouldn't have fun anymore. <laughs> but if you're opening a place and there's history and there's story with it, sweetie, you should not be the only one that knows the story. Even if you're the face and you're showing up in all the videos on all your social media, if no one else can tell the story, if you're, whoever's working there can't share it, your customers can't share it, then it's a wasted story. Telling it out there into the world, into the ether and all of that kind of stuff is great. But when you, when you train your staff, do you train them on the story? So I think there's a whole lot of missed opportunities for brandability within the restaurant industry. Like you said, it's, it's all based on concept and like, um, most, most, um, Cajun places. What do you think of when you think of a Cajun restaurant, Linda? What do you oh, see?
1: Um, what do you see?
0: Oh
2: boy! Okay, so are we talking like fancy, fancy, or are we talking like you know? We talking about? <laughs> I'm not gonna call it a hole in the wall, but the neighborhood <laughs> restaurant.
0: When you okay, see a Cajun restaurant, restaurant, what do you see?
2: I see a lot of. Oh my gosh! It's like. <laughs> When someone over, over decorates, you know what I mean? It's like a Mardi Gras. There we go. It's like a party. It's like party city. Have you, have you ever walked to a party city yes. where there's like stuff everywhere? And then it's like boom in your face. <laughs> Sorry. No, but
0: it's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. You walk into a Cajun restaurant and I promise you, you're going to see Mardi Gras beads. You're going to see masks. You're going to see purple and gold, all of that. And it's so gitchy. And more than likely the people there, they may have a good recipe, but you don't know Creole, you don't know Cajun. And so it's its like the same, I'm not saying your food's not good, but um, who is it? Um, Sal, Sal's Gumbo Shack. Oh, if y'all anywhere in Long Beach, you got two spots. I'm throwing out all my favorite places. In Long Beach, there's Sal's Gumbo Shack and there's RJ's. Oh my God, talk about amazing food. When y'all go to R.J.'s, get you some pork chops, some cabbage, and some some yams. Promise you. Go to Sal's, Go get you a shrimp po' boy with extra shrimp. It's called a Remy. Yes, they're my people. <laughs> but even that, even that is still. Whenever I see a Cajun restaurant, that's what I see, and it's because they think that's branding. They think I have to show how Cajun I am in order to make you realize that. But it's that's not it.
2: That's it's, not it. It's not. I think people are so pressured to feel like they have to prove something in order to say they own it. And it's really frustrating. like i think I think I had this conversation with you earlier today was i'm I'm I feel like I'm so over i'm I feel like I'm having social media fatigue lately because basically, every time I open it up, it's always like a restaurant basically begging for attention. And it's in a sense that's like, it's either like, oh, we redone, we redone the patio. Now it's super over the top. It has to give off this feel. Or it's um, begging for attention in a way that's like, it's like a cry for help. But here's the thing. When I see y'all hiring social media influencers or micro-influencer or whatever the case, the title is, they need you more than you need them.
0: Yes.
2: yes. And that... There was this whole like argument where it's like this this influencer came up and they were like, "Oh, I tell restaurants on how they should fix their social media and do better." Excuse me, I think you need to sit down real quick. Your content, <laughs> your content, and your follower base was from these restaurants, and I wish <laughs> restaurants saw themselves in a way that they're the ones leading the conversation. But instead, you're taking a step back. And you're asking people to tell your story. That part, that part right there, yes.
0: And, and I think that, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Sorry, sorry, Phyllis. No, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that shit just pisses me off because you've been in business for how many years? Some of y'all have been in business for five years, 10 years, 15 years, or even if you just started. And
3: well, they've been what? an influencer for a year.
2: I know. And they've been an influencer for maybe, there's some who start like within a month and they they be like, you know what? I can't be mad though. You know what? Make your money. Make your money. I ain't also, mad at the money.
0: I'm not mad at the money. I'm
2: at the arrogance. Exactly. And it's it's like people are telling you this is what you should do to make your business successful. And this is, well, I don't see them ever in your kitchen cleaning, cleaning the floors. I don't see them coming over here to greet your customers. You know what I see these folks coming in for? Coming in. Asking for food, takes a picture of it, boom. Yeah. Who reaps the benefits? It's not you. Yeah.
0: And the, the, um, who is it? It's sad to say with most of the chicks, it's a sex appeal thing. They get away with it because it's sexy. Dudes, not so much. They get away with it because it's all the oohs and the ahs and the sounds and the rolling of the eyes. Mm-hmm. So there's something to that um but what people don't realize like when you guys go out and you ask these influencers to come and share but you don't prepare for it if you know what kind of crowd they're going to bring you and you are not prepared for the onslaught and I'm speaking from experience not cuz we had influencers but because we had press it damages your business if you're not ready for it and a lot of people don't know that like i see all of these people wanting keith lee to come by if you don't have the capacity to, to handle after Keith Lee leaves, then, sweetie, trust and believe it's 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 going to wreck your shit. When mm-hmm. we got featured in the L.A. Times way back when, we had a line down. It was a long ass line. And mind you, back then, we were just in the farmer's market. So we did not have the capacity. We got cussed out, talked about and all this stuff. And it it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Huh, for a restaurant. <laughs> but but it also damages the reputation with your regulars because now they got to stand in this long ass line, knowing that the people who are here, they're here for the hype. They're not here to support you on the regular. They don't think your food is the best in the world. And so once that whole hype de- dies down, I would love to see, I would love to see. Um, and I think he may have done a couple. I don't follow Keithley, Lee, but I'm sure he's done a couple where he's gone back and, and checked on the restaurants. But the thing is, if you can't maintain because you have no brand and your food is just, you know, what, it's just like everybody else's. There's nothing special about it. There's no story behind it. There's no reason for them to return. Sweetie wants the hype is gone. The crowd is gone. We've yeah. seen it with restaurant. Was that? Restaurant Impossible and all those kind of shows.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. It's like, why? I get it. You're one restaurant. But it doesn't mean you have to cater to 5,000 people. Keep your keep your first 100 customers happy. And those customers will will bring in the money, literally. And, and the thing is what I see a lot is that I've, in the past, there are clients that I've worked with and they're, and this was like my mistake, I should've caught this in the beginning. The unrealistic expectation was to get bigger and grow bigger. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is that you're one business. You're not meant to be for everyone. And that was the hardest pill for so many to swallow that it ended up biting them back in the ass when the press came, when the following came, when all this came and everyone left. Only the real customers were there. But yeah. even then, they these restaurants treated these customers like they were like second class. Mm-hmm. And these were the people who were out here telling other people about your business Um, supporting you from the sidelines Um, excited to hear you excited to like meet your staff excited to be part of this branded culture that you offered that you were talking about and it's heartbreaking because um, I'm going to be a little bit more specific there are restaurants that are um, culture specific meaning there are like Asian restaurants I'm going to speak on like the Asian restaurant side there's so many Asian restaurants out there and One of the things that breaks my heart is if you ever see sometimes there's this little sticker on the side of the door, it says no MSG. That is such a hot topic right now. And it really angers me because until Uncle Rogers came up and was like, yo, why the fuck are you not seasoning your food with MSG? Like, what's wrong with you? That message was he repeated that message in every single video, every single interview he had over and over and over and over again. Yes, repetition is not sexy. I'm not going to lie. It's not sexy. (laughs) But but he said it over and over again where people were starting to question themselves. Like, why aren't we using MSG? As an Asian-owned business, we're not using MSG. And the reasoning behind it is this goes back into history. MSG in the United States was... There was an article written out by some sort of researcher guy, whatever. It's actually bullshit. Um, That MSG in these, like, American Chinese restaurants were causing headaches, body aches. It was all claims. And because of that, restaurants to this day feel like it's taboo. Until now, in this generation, Uncle Rogers is over here talking about MSG is part of the culture. It's part of the ingredients. So why are we erasing that? Why are we erasing that piece of history in in order to be part of this new culture? And... It's heartbreaking because just till now, I see other YouTubers are using MSG out loud in the public. Y'all didn't know MSG was in your Doritos, Fritos, Lays, (laughs) Chips, I don't know, Adobo Seasoning too, (laughs) I can't go on, But, but until one person who believed in it stood their ground, repeated that message over and over and over again, people started to get the message. Yeah. And then now y'all are turning around and being like, oh, we should probably take down these stickers. And it's all connected to the idea that MSG is not a clean ingredient. First off, that's just, that's just underhanded. like It's violent. Just go ahead and say it. That's some violent, violent shit. That's, that's some crazy <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> like, like, what? It's really messed up. It's like growing up as an Asian American, I used to bring in my food and eat it. And then it wasn't socially accepted because of the time, but now everyone, everyone and their mom is out here going out to Japanese places or Thai places and eating sushi. And now it's socially acceptable. When does it become socially acceptable for you first before it becomes for everybody? And now we see this massive hype on like specifically East Asian food, like Korean and Japanese. And I guess like a little bit of like, we're starting to see Chinese a little bit, but when is it socially acceptable for you? Yeah. yeah, because I know we got MSG in our kitchen and had, I don't think <laughs> Neil has ever
0: not had MSG in the kitchen. He wasn't listening to none of that. But I love that you said socially acceptable. And there are there are restaurants that they cater to because they're taught to cater to the audience and because they want to make sure they make all their money. It's, it's crazy. There's a restaurant in Oregon that Neil and I used to go to and we went for the whiskey. It was a beautiful Italian restaurant. It was, the atmosphere was amazing and all that kind of stuff. And oh, they just had a massive collection of booze up there. But (laughs) it's like, bring me the booze. Oh my God. Cause the food was terrible. And Neil asked them, it's like, did they forget to season my food? Cause Neil, he, he wants seasoning his food. And they were like, no, we can't do that because our customers don't want it. It's like, whose restaurant is it? I don't I, that, I don't understand that. When we had our restaurant, <clears throat> I remember this old old older guy, I'm not going to call him old, this older guy. And he came and told us, "You know what? Stop putting so much salt in your greens. That's too much. We see you once every fucking blue moon and you get greens. Don't eat the damn greens. We're not going to change our recipe because it doesn't suit your palate. You came here. We didn't bring it to your house."
1: <laughs> That's it, crazy.
0: That, and it's, we, we even had, when we used to smoke pastrami, this, this older Jewish lady, she gave me, she like, whoever asked, you tell them, I said, this is Jew approved. You should put that as a sticker and put it on your door. <laughs> but she loved our pastrami. And oh, it's wow. something, it's, it's like, instead of trying to cater to the masses, it's the ones that it's like, you know what? They know how you do your thing. And they like your get down. And, mm-hmm. one, and especially when it's a cultural restaurant, sweetie, you don't have to throw up all the Chinese signs and the, and the cat and the arm, and mm-hmm. you don't have to display your, your culture in that manner. The food, the stories behind the food. I have clients who are creatives. And one of the things I told them, don't dumb down your, your culture, not their culture, their, their heritage. Let me make that specific heritage, because if. People are going to work with you. They're going to have to better understand you and they're going to have to understand the world from which you come. So mm-hmm. if I walk into a Chinese restaurant, sweetie, give me all the flavor. Let me decide I don't like it because I'm pretty sure I'm going to find something I like versus, you know what? I'm just not ever coming here again. But there, there's so many people that want to change because corporate America has taught us, you know what, cater to the clients, cater to the customer, the customer's always right. I'm sorry. I'm not of that camp anymore. And I will say, yes, I bought into that. I'm always right. I'm spending my money. I'm always right. No, I'm not. You're right to serve me what it is that's on your menu, the way that you prepare it. If I don't like it, then you know what? I don't like it. But if you develop a brand that has something, it's like, you know what? I can't get down with this food, but I come here for this thing. And whether it's I come back for, you know, I just want to sit in the atmosphere and drink. This is Mm -hmm. where I bring all, all my, this is where we have all our, our date nights and all of this kind of stuff because of the atmosphere, because of the people, because I want to, I want, I want to be a part of whoever's history that owns this place. Mm -hmm. I don't need my picture on the wall, but there's something there. But when you turn it into something that's mass produced bullshit, and because you have pre-cooked all of this, I'm, I'm down for like some part, some part cooked biscuits or whatever and all. But there are certain things about the culture. The reason I go to cultural restaurants, if I go to a Mexican restaurant, if I go to a Cambodian restaurant, if I go to a Filipino restaurant, if I go to, to a, what's the ones where they carve the meat off the thing at your table? Ooh,
2: Brazilian steakhouse? Yes. If I but go to
0: a Brazilian could... restaurant, I want all
2: the fucking flavors of Brazil. <laughs> Anything of that shit. <laughs> that's how you know when we both love food. is cuz we could be I, I don't worry Phyllis, I got you. I'm like, "Oh, I know what you're talking about." <laughs> but part part of what
0: makes your restaurant so great is that you bring all of those flavors with you. This is what you is it's I tell people, like especially coming from a barbecue background, the barbecue that you, when you go out to a barbecue competition and you're tasting that stuff, that stuff they got you tasting is not what they serve in their house. I promise you, promise you, they're trying to win a competition. And so people have come to expect a certain flavor profile to win a competition. But if you go to their house, Neil knows don't, in this house, don't be putting no barbecue sauce on these while you cooking them. No, uh-uh, we, we don't play that in this house. If they're not savory on their own, keep that shit to yourself. But if he's competing, then there's this whole thing and you're brushing it and you put the honey down and then you put the 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 brown sugar and then you put the pats of butter and then you wrap it in foil. Mm. All of that is competition. But here in this here house, we ain't doing
3: all that. Stop it. <laughs> Introducing branding boundaries and bullshit by the one and only grandma, Phyllis Williams Strother. Hey you there. Are you tired of all the boring personal branding stuff? Well my mom, Grandma, has got you covered with her awesome new book. In this game changer, Grandma does not play by the rules. She's a rebel who says you don't have to fake it to make it. No more being a people pleaser, because it's time to get real. Look, my mom's been there and done that, just like Pitbull, except she was a multi-million dollar restaurant owner. She's got all the stuff to let you know what's real and what's just okie doke. This book is not for the corporate crazy. It's for the courageous, the genuine, and the unapologetic. It's about putting you first and not some fake customer pleasing it, because this is not the circus. Branding boundaries and bullshit is like a fist pump to those who refuse to conform. It's your match to discovering your YO uniqueness and owning it. So just the BS and start branding on your own terms. Get Brandma's book now and let your true self shine through. We need the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Man, I wish y'all could see this. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things, too, is, like, what I'm hearing from you is, like, this whole sense of belonging. I think at the end of the day, that's what restaurants are. We mm-hmm. create a sense of belonging to the community. Now, I'm going to use New York as an example because that's one of the closest, biggest cities next to me. And what I love love about New York is, like, you could go to um, a restaurant. Right. Unsuspecting restaurant. And it's not like really on Google reviews with like something amount of reviews or whatever. Right. But there was this, there was this breakfast spot I went to. It was, it was near, oh my gosh. I think I was in a story, I think. I forgot. I can't remember. I know I was on Long Island. And in the morning, the husband and wife would go and brush the front of their store and they would clean the the surrounding area. And everyone knew them. Everyone knew them. And by the time I came in, it was like most of the breakfast had sold out, but they were like, don't worry, we're going to try to make something for you. And I felt like being that I'm not from this area, I felt so welcome to this. And I know, I know like so many of y'all are told you got to be different in this industry, but why not create something familiar for people to be with? And, and the reasoning is like, I also think back, like I'm thinking back to my grandmother's stories when she had her restaurant in Cambodia. She was, she wasn't worried about being the best breakfast spot ever, ever. She was more worried about if you come to her, how can she make this experience better for you to keep coming back? So she learned these languages. Now that's crazy. Grandma speaks Thai, Lao, cambodian oh my god what else vietnamese <laughs> i just speak english and Khmer, maybe like half it <laughs> i'd be trying <laughs> but but i'm not that great but the thing is what i've learned through traveling is that our sense of language and communication is so important when i was backpacking like europe and i was like trying to pick up the language folks are so much more kind and generous than you think and if you try to make that relationship, if you try to learn the language, they're open and accepting yeah. of that.
0: Yes. people
2: are here to meet you halfway. yeah, and I feel like in restaurants, that's that's what a restaurant is about. it's It's a place in the community that it's drawing all these folks with with different experiences, but we're all united under the fact that, yes, yes, the food's great, whatever. But we're all united because there is that sense of, I don't want to say community because it sounds like a broken word, but but I don't want to repeat myself. It's like, but
0: there's, there's a relationship there. There's There's a a relationship. relationship.
2: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's not about being different in the restaurant industry Mm -hmm. because your food's different or this different. It's about being here for the people who are here for you. That part, that part. Cause this past, what was
0: it? This fall, going to Rome, and um, I went down. Cause we were Rome is really different, you guys. But we were staying at the. Um, let no, I'll just say we we're staying at a very, very expensive hotel, um, and the where the hotel was situated, it was like, it was like the Taj Mahal sitting in the in the middle of the projects. It was crazy. <laughs> I, I want you to get that type of picture. So when I asked the band to take me down into the, to the main part of the city and I'm just walking around, I'm not seeing all the monuments and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm down there and I'm walking around. I'm just looking and it's like, okay, nothing spectacular. But then I go into this place and it looks like, if you know, New York, it looks like a bodega, but it's a, it's Mm. it's in Rome and they have all this, they have this, this deli case right here. And I'm I don't speak any Italian whatsoever, um, and so they're talking to me and all that kind of stuff. But it was the the way everybody treated me, and it was the the how they took care of me afterwards because they knew I wasn't from there. And so I got to and so they were teaching me different words. I'm like, y'all know I'm gonna mess this up, right? And so, but they were but they were teaching me about their culture, their heritage mm-hmm. of me being in their place. But then I ventured across the, I went across the street, just across the street to this more refined coffee place. Mm -hmm. I have never felt so ignored, so unseen. And I'm like, you know, just let me get an espresso. And I sat here and it was the epitome of so much. It was just the total opposite. And then you go to a fine dining restaurant, same city, fine dining restaurant. And you're sitting in there <clears throat> and your wait staff is just so pleasant, but it's not even a, a pleasant of, I'm not going to say it's fake, but it's manufactured. Like, you know, it's smile. And because we are in the fine dining spot and we get really great tips. So let me tell you our menu for the day. Mm-hmm. It was three different experiences in the same city. And it's, it's like, okay, which one is more to me would be able to brand the best? And it would have been the first one I went to the bodega looking spot on the corner with the regulars in there, mama sitting over here doing her thing and all of that kind of stuff that I can turn into a brand, this bullshit. When everybody wants to ignore, you no. this manufactured niceness, Mm -hmm. granted it was pleasant. They were on, they were on their shit, but it still felt manufactured in the only, in that's one of those places where the only thing they have to offer you is quality and customer service.
2: Yeah. I was just about to say that. See, this is that bare minimum. You know what I mean? It's that bare minimum. And and I love I love how you mentioned in your story in the um, bodega spot is how they taught you. The thing that many restaurant owners don't understand is when you create a brand, it's not just about building it, but it's also about teaching people about it. You teach people the language. Look, you even mentioned you don't know how to speak the language but they're over here, like working with you. It takes a lot of time and patience to build relationships. And I think that's what people forget the most. When you get a customer, it doesn't mean you got them. You just happen to catch their attention. Yeah. Congratulations. That's paid, paid advertisement. You caught their attention. But how are you going to continue to build that? And that's why so many people chase the whole, like, I want X amount of customers coming in, flooding my gates, etc. But you can't even keep a hundred customers happy and satisfied. <laughs> Consistently. Yeah. And you wonder why your business is tanking because that relationship just isn't there. And it, it's really heartbreaking. It's, it's really, heartbreaking. really
0: heartbreaking. Yeah. And I- then going back to, to the founders of this business, it's like your brand only goes one way. You have this, 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 you, if you're the face of your business and you're the only one showing up on social media, then the only person you're talking to are potential customers. But then we look inside and you talk about nobody wants to work anymore. No, nobody wants to work for you because that face that you put on for the crowd is not the face that you show for the audience. One of the ways we got, when we had our restaurant, one of the ways we got one of our first employees is he came in. He said, I want to work here because he thought he had been there to eat with his family and all that kind of stuff. And it was a young dude. This was, he said, I want to work here. You guys are so much fun. I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. I'll wash dishes for y'all. Y'all are fun. This is somebody offering to wash dishes because he liked the vibe of our restaurant. And he stayed with us for two years until he went off to college. And that's the thing that, that a lot of people miss about, especially when you're doing personal branding, sweetie, when you're showing up, there are certain people that may vibe with you. It's like, I know what the restaurant industry pays, but I want to go work over here. At least I know I'll get respect, I'll get appreciated. I'll even get some tips, but you know what? I want to work here until I decide what else I want to do if I don't want to stay in the restaurant industry. If you only make your content for the people who can pay you, then it makes it hard for you to find people who you can actually pay. And people don't consider that at all, especially in independent restaurants. Y'all, I'm telling you, the, raising your price. My husband, my husband has owned a restaurant. He does all the cooking in our house, do bitches about prices and restaurants all the time. He said, but baby, I know what it costs. That ain't your business. You <laughs> should know. You should have enough respect to know how hard it is to run a restaurant. If you know all of the, the stuff and what it costs and all of that, sweetie, you know, that has to cover rent. You know, that has to cover insurance. You know that it has to cover workers comp. It has to cover all. It has to cover triple net. Shut up and pay the price. Cause I'm, I I promise you, I don't eat out as much because my husband cooks, but you know what? I'm not bitching about anybody's prices anymore because one, I want you to make h- higher profits. The profit, I get tired of that whole thin profit margin bullshit. Raise your prices so you can make a better profit, but also raise your prices so you can raise to pay your people better. And you can do that if you build a brand, if you just raising your prices because you serve the same hamburger as somebody next door sweetie, nobody's going to pay that higher price. They'll go next door and get the cheaper burger. But if you brand that fucking burger, trust and believe, you know, I'm going to go over here and eat because I like this brand better. I like their burgers, but this brand is what's going to take my money. It's a thing. A leather purse is a leather purse, but who put their name on it? They're going to make you pay more. This one, I'm going to go get in the alley in LA.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Go to Chinatown, guys. Save yourself some heartaches. I know Valentine's Day is coming up. Save you some money. <laughs> that, but no.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I want to ask oh, you something.
2: Oh, oh. No, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. To- oh, okay. No. No, but but really, though, I really like how you mentioned that. Because one of the things, too, is like what's, what's getting me is that people are literally competing on the fact that they're really good at making this. But so is like a hundred other restaurants or depending where you live, you know, like New York City. Oh. So condensed, it could be like 200 restaurants are doing better than you, right? But right, same thing, same size, whatever. But you don't really give them a reason to stay. You don't really you you entice them by basically like trying to get them to come in. You never give a person a reason to stay, and customer service is not it.
0: No,
2: I mean, let me tell you, you could go to a little lemonade shop run by a kid. He's gonna give you some great customer service for 25 cents. Because his mama told him to. Because <laughs> his mom told him to, <laughs> and train him to. <laughs> and you could go to a really fancy one and, and spend seven dollars, but the person you're always gonna keep coming back to is that little child, mm-hmm. because that child has big dreams, and that child's gonna tell you all about it, and then they're gonna share with you their other lemons that they messed up mm-hmm. on and put too much salt in, and <laughs> but you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna keep coming back. You're gonna keep coming back. And you
0: say that, and that this is so crazy because I, when I was living in Oregon, I passed this little young guy who was selling lemonade. And I promise you, I ain't seen a lemonade stand in years. And I asked, I started talking to him, and baby had a story and everything to go to his lemonade. And he did his little extra play. I forgot what he did. I'm like, I want to brand this baby, I want to go knock on his mama's door. It's like, can we expand this?
2: <laughs> You got to turn this child to a Disney child and they're going to be all PTSD. <laughs> no, I wanted to expand his lemonade business because he had this
0: whole spiel of how he get down. And oh I'm like, I-, I promise you, I want to go knock on his parents' doors. Please let me turn this into a brand. Can, can- I-, I-, I was there with him. I was there with him. I totally bought into... I, I even gave him, I think, what? He was selling it for a dollar. I gave him five. So... <laughs> that part (laughs) and he's like oh my god oh my god and i was like and i gave i gave him a few pointers but it's a kid what you gonna do but (laughs) there there are certain things that that um i told you earlier that i've been writing all week about emotional hooks and the old me would have looked at emotional hooks as manipulation that's the old me because i that's because i was manipulated a lot (laughs) but emotional hooks they grab you and they're what grab what people gravitate towards and if you have something that you know what there's some emotion that somebody can always tap into and like i said if you're the founder and you're the only one that's portraying that emotion and your staff is acting like batshit crazy
2: (laughs) you gotta put a disclaimer down there
0: oh my goodness they're there then your place is not branded sweetie, you may have a personal brand, but your brand does not, your personal brand does not align with your business brand because the people who work here are not feeling it. They're not sharing it. They don't even come back to eat. And that's one of the things our staff, they, they knew if you're hungry, they knew that they can always come, come just like, come home, come get you something to eat. If you're out running around and all that stuff, come grab something to eat because I know how much I pay you. (laughs) Please feed you oh but boy it, yeah yeah so we say what you're gonna say and this so I can get to my question I keep forgetting go
2: ahead oh, no. I was like I feel so bad I'm sorry y'all I have a really loud booming voice so it's gonna hurt your eardrums but we're laughing 80% of this podcast today I didn't even mean to you should have heard the
0: one that Neil and I did oh my god we always get stupid please but but you were talking you mentioned earlier talking about Valentine's Day. And a lot of you are gonna wait till what, a week before or something like that, to start talking about your prefix menus and all of that kind of stuff. Uh I, I don't even know how to express to you how that's not gonna work. You're you may get a few people in, but I learned this working with Neil. Y'all don't wait to the week of or whatever. It's like, oh, we have a prefix menu or this is our special for Valentine's Day. If you don't even, if you're not even in love, do the opposite. Y'all, I don't do that Valentine's shit. I don't have a Valentine. My wife ain't gonna bribe me a box. of can't, be the opposite. If you don't, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day. So why am I making a prefix
2: menu? <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my gosh you just reminded me of this so you know black friday black friday is a big thing in america i uh-huh. want to be very specific Ooh, i used to participate oh okay so i had a few clients right That i remember one year they were like we got to do some black friday sale and i was like hold up you know black friday is basically meant as a target towards small businesses to kind of run you out of business why are we participating in this when you don't even believe in it and they're like, oh, it's because everyone else is doing it. You know, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that conversation. You don't have to be part of that conversation to make money. They're going to make money that one day. Why one do you want to participate? Yeah. And one of the things is I was like, we got to talk about it differently. We have to remind the folks we're here as a locally independent business. We're here to support local. So that was the direct message. And we ended up banding together and other restaurants did this too. Ended up banding together on that. Black Friday for um, locally owned business day, where we're reminded to put our money and reinvest back into our places that we're around. And See, it did my well.
0: mind went so, so the other way. What? Cause I'm like, restaurants on Black Friday, somebody should have their ass open at four in the morning, serving all them people. You know what? This is my, this is the only day I do DoorDash because I'm bringing food to all y'all. <laughs> People don't want to lose their spot. There's a restaurant out there that should be making bank on Black Friday. I'm not changing my prices, but I am delivering food. Don't get out of line. I got you. Y'all should be cleaning up. Pull up the food truck, take go go down the line and take orders. I got you. I got you. And when you're done, sweetie, go take your ass to bed. I'm t- Oh my god. Why oh. nobody ever do that on Black Friday?
2: You know what's funny? Okay, I hope this is appropriate. Phyllis, if you, if you got to cut this out, you got to cut this out. I ain't cutting out shit. Say it. (laughs) Okay, so there's this food truck. I won't say who, but there's a food truck. He sells tacos, right? And I forgot what day it is specifically, but it's the day where everyone gets high or whatever, right? 420. Okay, there we go. That's the one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so basically he sets up shop in front of these places. Everyone just comes out. And then he also calls the Girl Scout cookie girls that they set up too. And they all make it up.
0: But see, the Girl Scout cookies, they're they not supposed to do that anymore. Because oh. the one little girl, the one little girl, this was back, I forget, it was a few years ago. Little girl was making bank outside the weed store. And Girl Scouts said, oh, that's unethical. Why? Folks got munchies and she had an idea. They told her she couldn't do it. Wow. That would be the day I stopped being a Girl Scout. <gasps> I didn't know that. Yes. They had what a is- whole shit show because this girl was making money outside the weed store. I thought that was genius of her.
2: That was genius of her. Why
0: am I trying to sell you cookies outside the grocery store? They got cookies in the grocery store. Yeah. She went to the weed store and they got pissed off at her.
2: Yes. wow. Yes. Wow. And she probably made way more profit she than made she way did. Way more. And you know what's funny? She probably got returning customers because they also knew she was going to be there. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. See, and this is what this is what happens when you play with the crowd. You know yeah. what I mean? Once you yep. do something different, it's like everyone. And if like, her oh. mama
0: didn't have a problem with it, why did you? That's the bullshit part. That's crazy. that's the bullshit part. But yeah.
2: So, what do you do? You celebrate Valentine's? I actually don't. I i actually do the opposite what do you do I, I i drag all my friends outside their houses and then we go and we make Valentine's day stuff like cookies and shit <laughs> but that's if i have time though i used to be able to do it back when i was in college but nowadays i don't really have time like i used to but yeah before before i used to do that i'd be like all right guys it's valentine's day let's go do something like make cookies <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was the weird one. (laughs) So what do you think about restaurants that do this on Valentine's Day?
2: Oh, man, it is such a waste of time, headache and money. And the reason is because I've seen restaurants who've done it, like restaurants that don't even celebrate any holiday, zero holiday. And when it comes to Valentine's Day, everyone starts to become pink, pink in a sense of like everyone throwing up their heart decorations and this decoration. And it's like your restaurant has nothing to do with that nothing yeah your restaurant is like a it's like it's like a fish fish-based restaurant fishes don't celebrate valentine's day thank you so i don't know why you're celebrating valentine's day and it's such a heartache to to do about valentine's day because you got to do a special meal outside of your actual menu that's an extra cost then you have to think about it like the chef himself or herself has to think about like what kind of menu it has to be and then like plating and it's It's crazy it's so extra fluff it's such a waste of time just for what one day and i tell them i don't love i don't love your person like you love your person i'm not making no extra meals (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could tell you could literally show your customers you love them every day every day and if they and if they want to go and have their valentine's day somewhere else that's fine that's fine why
0: can't you be that one restaurant say if you love your mama and I know Neil always make me say, don't ever say if you love me, you would. But if you love your mama, come here on Saturday. Don't take her to that crowded place on Sunday. Right? It, 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 I, I promise you, I would I would hit every holiday before the holiday. It's mm-hmm. like I'm the non-traditional holiday restaurant. And especially like, I think there's all these food holidays now. Pancake day and ice cream.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not oh, trying to day.
2: chase. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not chasing none of those. Not chasing. Are you going to add a donut to your an extra expense of making donuts so you can make a donut burger and all this kind of stuff because of that? No. But I promise you all the major holidays, I would be the I would be the grinch of the calendar. You mm-hmm. know what? Fuck the 14th. Come in on the 13th. We got you. We we love you all year long. Why are you waiting till the 14th? Because you right. video has here tomorrow.
2: You know what? Uh-uh. It's true. And the thing yep. is, customers, customers notice that when you're in because I know I talked about consistency a little while back. It's about being consistent. It's not about being unique. Yeah. Because it's one day or it's, it's one, day. one holiday. It's just it's one, one day. day. It's one day.
0: If you're going to turn yourself into a Valentine's restaurant because you know what I love, love. So I celebrate Valentine's, be that restaurant, be that restaurant. You know what? All we talk about is love in here. And mm-hmm. if you, if you match your spouse, this is not the place to come fix your shit, fix it. And then come in here with some love.
2: <laughs> Dang. You got to open up a new restaurant yeah. called tough love.
0: And you cannot work here. If you're not in love, I'm not asking about your sex, your gender, your race, your religion. I don't care about none of that. Do you have a partner? Are you in love? Did y'all fight this morning? Uh-uh, I don't need you on the clock. Take your ass home.
2: <laughs> oh, I got stories about that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I got my thumbs up. <laughs> but there, there's, there's so many different ways that you can actually develop a brand at a restaurant based on what it is that you really want. If grandma made a recipe of something and that's all you serve... Why do you feel like, okay, well, grandma made pumpkin, but now I want to do this. If you're getting experimental, I understand that you're expanding the brand a bit, but when you get so far removed from where you were, then you start to dilute the brand and nobody's loyal to that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, there's, there's so much lost in just depending on the concept, the gitchiness, the catchiness and the, the trendiness of it. Oh, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. So, so I feel like I keep interrupting you today. I'm no, sorry, Phyllis. I'm sorry. Okay, Come on with it. You just get me so excited. I'm sorry, y'all listening. But like, Phyllis gets me so excited because she gets me. I, I, I sound do. less crazy when we talk together. <laughs> but <laughs> but the thing is, there's a restaurant that I really loved. And I remember I told you they were awarded the Michelin bib recently. Well, their concept was so popular they, because they started becoming popular. That I swear to you, Phyllis, four other new restaurants that opened up surrounded themselves in the same concept. Yeah, I don't want to say which restaurant. So, uh, sorry to my homies who hear me, but no hates all y- towards y'all because they work there. Um, but the other restaurants, their concepts were built all over the similar thing. Now you got mm-hmm. four different concepts with the same thing. Yeah, and now it's it's just it's all the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Because-
0: And the only thing it takes is for that one restaurant to make a brand. Y'all don't have the fucking concept. The concept is not the thing. Mm -hmm. Now all of you guys are competing based on concept and price instead of competing based on brand. And you think that you made yourself distinctive by having a different concept. No, no, that's still not the same as having a brand in the food industry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Concepts Mm -hmm. can always be replicated. That's why it's so simple. It's baseline. Like we talked about with customer service. Customer service is baseline. Concepts are baseline as well. Mm -hmm. They're all surface level. Surface level relationships, really. Surface level interactions. There's... There's something that I just remembered. Sorry to Phyllis. <laughs> cut you off stop saying sorry and just say what the hell you're going to say. <laughs> all right. Just, just copy all the sorries. Actually, you know what? Make me into contemplation about the, amount of sorries I said on this. Sorry, Phyllis. All right. Time to stop being sorry. Put this as a caption. I'm kidding. Time to stop being sorry. <laughs> Restaurant industry. But anyways, <laughs> um, Oh boy. One of the really interesting things is, so my, my parents are entrepreneurs. We've been in business for many years. I'm not going to say what type of business. Out of respect for my personal life. (laughs) But um, for many, many years, we had many business owners stop by our place time and time again. Even till now, since we've opened up a new uh, business and folks come in, take pictures of the location, take pictures of the inside, like taking notes, taking pictures of the prices, etc. The menu, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. That's been going on for more than like 10 years and no one can still understand why we're in business. No one still understands why we still have customers. No one understands. Yeah. Because we're not built on a concept.
0: Tell them your pimp pan is strong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got two, just kidding. <laughs> two for discipline. But um, <laughs> but it's it's like, I see so many restaurants out there. Y'all are just looking at each other, not minding your own business. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sound such a, such a bitch today, but so Come many of y'all, bitch.
0: you know, I'm here, but for...
2: <laughs> so many of y'all are so busy being in other people's businesses that you're not running your own business. That
0: part, that part.
2: But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go back to your. No! <laughs>
0: And and it's a, it's a thing because like I said, and you know what I don't, you, I know we didn't go to the same school of strategy, brand strategy and all that kind of stuff, but the focus is always on what's the, what's the, the competition doing and where's the gap. And I know Marty Neumeyer wrote the book brand gap and you're trying to fill, baby, stop trying to fill a fucking gap. Just do your job. And I hate to call it a job, whether it's a passion or whatever you want to call it, Stop worrying about them and figuring out what you want. You did yes. this for a reason. And I can always tell, going into a restaurant, I can always tell the difference. Like I can probably tell you whether they bought the restaurant because it was making money or they're actually in the restaurant because they love food industry. And there's a different vibe in who owns it, who runs it and all the things and people i will always go back to the restaurant for people who are in it for the food because i want them to be profitable i want them to last sweetie you just you, cooking food to make some money means you're willing to cut corners and give me cheaper ingredients and all these other things i don't want that i rather just go ahead and pay the price and enjoy the food enjoy the meal enjoy the company enjoy the staff appreciate the staff i stopped tipping a long time ago i tip When you know what, and ain't nobody asking for no crazy going above and beyond. Just fill my water glass when it's empty. Y'all won't even do that. Won't even come back in. I got my food. I don't see you no more. But then the founders are, you know what? We're making money. So it doesn't matter. But then your churn rate, you keep losing good people. And your churn rate is so high because you ran from the outside in instead of the inside out.
2: Oh my gosh, that is so true. The reflection on how many of these business owners have such a there are some restaurants I know I don't work with them, but I know them they have such an amazing staff and the only reason is because and the boss is like horrible horrible to their staff. I've seen it with my own two eyes horrible to their staff the pay is like undercutting because they're not charging enough and it, di- it diminishes the value and the time of a staff member yeah and the only reason why the staff is still there is not because they're there because of the restaurant they're there because of the other staff members that's the only reason why they stay
0: yeah
2: and i know sometimes in the restaurant industry um every kitchen is different every kitchen is very different every work environment is very different but one of the things that i know in the past is that my client doesn't stand for is toxic work environments the moment she hears someone starting some shit, she just cuts them automatically cut doesn't even take the time to go, OK, let's try to work through. She does do that. Actually, she yeah. does go like take the time to work through it. But she says that she believes that a happier staff creates a much happier environment. Yeah. And yes, pay yeah. is a part of it, but inside the kitchen and what happens inside the kitchen also reflects outside. And your yeah. your customers know. They know. They, know. <laughs> they, they I, know. I I don't care how much you try to hide from them, but they know your business. Yeah, very well. Because the staff is telling on you. Yes, the your staff, staff is telling. talking about you. <laughs> Phyllis, you had to say it before I did. They do. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Yes. One hundred percent. Oh my god. There was a restaurant. I know. <clears throat> and it was like a vegan restaurant, right? Did so well. They did well on paper but they did not do well internally. Mm-hmm. And one day the restaurant had to close down because the internal matters got so out of control. The owner the owner themselves just couldn't handle it anymore. It's just shut down the business. Wow. And what happens to the staff members then? Everyone who's given up so much of their time um, and space for them just discarded just like that. Yeah. And that also contributes to the fact of like, If we're expendable, then why do we need to work in this industry? It is a tough industry in general. I mean, late nights, long hours on your feet, short pay tips, maybe. Um, unless if your boss is taking about 20% of the tip pool. Yeah. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. Because I know when um when Neil and I, we had already
0: discussed like all the different concepts that we wanted to do under the big Mr. Brand. And we also made plans like we would talk to our staff, whoever wants to manage a restaurant. It's like, okay, when we move into the, like I told you about somebody, I stole Linda, uh, not Linda, <laughs> I stole Jamie, one of our first employees. I stole Jamie from a restaurant because I saw potential in her, but then somebody turned around and stole her from me and actually took her out of the restaurant industry and she became uh, um, an administrator at a at a, a hospital facility or something like that, but yeah, but um but the thing we always told our staff is if we op- opened another spot, do you want to manage your spot? So our concepts could not, we could not grow into other concepts because I don't want to hire a manager off the street. I want to groom who I have. And so Jamie got the first store because she had been with us the longest. No, Actually, our first store, when we weren't there, Big Glam was running that store. But then Jamie, she went into the second store. She went into Big Mr. Morning Wood. And so then the third concept that we were going to do was going to be Big Mr. Southern Soul. And that was just going to be based around smoked meats and soul food. And so um, we had one of our staff in mind for that. Because it's like, sweetie, you can't stay back here in the kitchen forever. And you're, you, you have to learn these other skills because otherwise... It defeats the purpose. Nobody wants to stay in the kitchen 10 to 20 years and all that kind of stuff. So what are you going to do? I know what I expect the churn rate to be, but I would rather have you grow and, and, and scale with us. So it's, it's understanding that babies, when y'all doing this thing is stop looking on the outside, look on the inside, brand from the inside. Why do you actually have this spot? If you're the founder and the owner and you don't know how to cook, sweetie, own that shit. It's like, I don't know how to cook, but I have a passion for food because it does this thing because it brings me joy because someone enjoying a good meal, I wish I could cook like that. But since I can't, this is how I give back to that particular, sweetie, you can spend the brand, but then you also have to make sure that everyone who's working for you is also buying into that brand. Mm-hmm. Because if if you, you know that your staff supports you in your business and is, you know, your shady folks too. Because if if that staff member always comes in when so-and-so is on the cash register because they know they're going to eat for free, and you know that you normally make them pay a stipend or something for their food, then they're stealing from you. Both Mm -hmm. of them are stealing from you. But if they come in and they sit down and they bring their friends and family, you know you got a good staff member. And they enjoy your food and the atmosphere just as much as they enjoy working there. That's when you know you got a good one. So it's it's branding, personal branding as the founder means more than just, you know what? Let me talk about my shit. It needs to hit different. It really does. So, oh Lord, we over, we so over.
2: It's like, oops. <laughs> I mean, if y'all have enjoyed our conversation, make sure to give us a thumbs up. <laughs> Where's my stuff? I don't know why I won't do it for you. <laughs> oh wait, no, no, remember I'm on a PC, so that's oh that's totally right, lying.
0: you're on a PC. <laughs> but anyway, so let's go on and wrap this up. Um, and let me tell you guys, we've been talking about food. Belinda is pivoting; she's pivoting into doing workshops, and that's going to be the bulk of her business in 2024. She knows how to run a business, she knows how to run a team, she knows her shit. And so, while food is her first passion, for some reason, she's being pulled in this area, and I'm here to support that. So, Linda, Tell them folks that do workshops, how they can hire you.
2: <laughs> Hit me up on LinkedIn, slide it to my DMs. Are you kidding? Let me, let me authenticate this relationship first. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I'd love to get to know folks 1st Um, happy to add add me on LinkedIn and start that conversation because I want to see who I'm working with first. I'm going to be very honest. I want to see what you're doing. What I'm doing, if I'm even if I'm not posting. But I'm happy to show you everything that I'm doing offline. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't let her social media fool you. She is a yeah. face-to-face person for real. Uh,
1: let me ask you face. this
0: question since we said that. Do you think you need a personal brand? Oh. Phyllis, do we have time for that? 15 minutes? Okay. 15 oh, minutes. Hell, if we go over, we go over. Do you think you need a personal brand?
2: Oh, you know, from my experience so far, I'm I'll be really honest. A part of me is like, I really don't need it because it's more on PR. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing up PR is about it's about my public image. Mm-hmm. And it's because when I go out, um, when you're a workshop instructor, if, if that's the right term, if you're a workshop instructor, it's all about garnering those relationships and how you appear on in these spaces and teaching and things like that. So you're in the public eye and that's in person. But I've also noticed, too, because folks are posting and talking about me, I also need to really keep that line of communication really tight. So say if there's an article written about me, my public image can be skewed if it's not corrected immediately. That's why I feel like I don't really need a um, personal brand. I feel like for me, personal branding is um, someone who's like trying to scale bigger. And I think in this part of my career, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I also am starting to feel that pull to be more international than just my state alone. And so that's why I'm like weaning and leaning, but so far, so far right now, I think my answer is no.
0: And see that right there tells me It's it's a thing that we get, we think that we're branding for now, but what you're actually branding for is the future. Because if there's any where in your mind where you think this is going to scale to something, you take care of that now so that it's easier to step into that versus, oh, well, I need to scale now. I need to rebrand. Mm -hmm. If you already created the brand, then there's, there's just an easy transition. There's no, oh, sudden pivot and telling everybody, oh, look out, I'm about to do this thing. No, they already knew it was coming because then when you start to talk about it, then the brand is already in place for you to just step into versus, oh my, sh- I'm here at this place and there's nowhere for me to go. You create the place for you to go with your brand. And a lot of people don't realize that. They think that, oh, well, this is how my brand is. No, I don't know. I don't want to know what your brand is. I want to know what it's supposed to be because that's how you direct. When you talk about strategy You're talking about strategic and making sure that your brand is pointing you in that direction and the content that you create and the pricing structure that you have and the business formation that you have. All of that stuff is like, this is what I'm leading to. And this is only good for two years because this is the next level in this whole thing. So just know that even if your personal brand is not needed right now, if you plan to expand. So say if, if you decide that, you know what, I need to have an agency of facilitators for this particular topic. Then that becomes a business brand. It doesn't impact your your personal brand, but the personal brand should be in alignment with what you're trying to build when you do bring in other people. So that's my two cents on that. But I was just curious because I know you're in the fa- in your face. <laughs>
2: face in your face. I'm definitely in your face. <laughs> i mean i'm kind of short if you meet me in real life but i'm definitely in your face it's funny because the way my students describe me they're like oh you might be small but you're really tough <laughs> <laughs> oh you're cracking the whip in real life i don't even mean to be but then i realized i'm like dang i'm small but then aggressive uh-huh. <laughs> uh, i'm a mean little meatball <laughs> see she always go back to food i'm <laughs> uh, sorry oops my bad y'all i hope you like food uh-uh. as
0: much as i do um- But seriously, if you want to connect with Linda, connect with her on LinkedIn. If you follow her on Instagram, trust me, all her shit shows up in their stories. You are not going to see a bunch of posts, but she is very active. Don't let the social media fool you. And not everybody wants to be a social media guru or take the time out to do all of that kind of stuff. That does not mean that they're not branding or that they're not doing something. So that's all I got. Five bullshit happens. So suck it up. Four, your voice is important, so speak up. Three, you make the world a more beautiful place, so show up. Two, life is good, so buck up. And one, I love you and ain't a damn thing you can do about it, so shut the fuck up. Peace and hair, y'all. I'm out.
1: All right, Brand Babies. We appreciate you stopping by because we know you got shit to do. Just remember to subscribe on your way out, and bring a friend next time in the meantime and in between times stay connected with your grandmother on linkedin twitter instagram and tiktok the links are in the description and your grandmother wants you to remember that personal branding is not just personal it's also business